our, our message this morning is entitled God's Healthcare Plan. And I know there's a lot of talk in our world about healthcare these days, and the good news, friends, is that God has the best healthcare plan out there. And, um, and God wants to give us strength uh, to be able to follow that, that plan. So let's go ahead and bow our heads this morning as we dig into God's Word. Father in heaven, Lord, we want to thank you so much for this day. Lord, we want to thank you for this beautiful Sabbath day that you blessed us with, Lord. The beautiful sunshine outside, Lord. The beautiful music that we could hear and sing this morning. And Lord, we pray that, that you are glorified, Lord, by all that is said and done here in our place and in, in this church, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that as we open your word now, that you would speak to us, that you would help us, Lord, to see uh, what a blessing good health is, Lord, and how you want to have us to be in the best health possible. So, Lord, we pray that you would guide our study this morning and that we would be drawn closer to you through it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, over the last couple of weekends, we've been looking at the different prophecies of the Bible. We've looked at Matthew chapter 24. We've seen the signs of Jesus' second coming. We have looked at the manner in which Christ is coming. We've looked at prophecies in the book of Daniel. We've also looked at prophecies in the book of Revelation. And we've gone to a familiar passage, and I want to go there uh, once again this morning in Revelation chapter 14. And in Revelation chapter 14, we see three angels that come, and they bring a message from heaven to each one of us here on this earth. And it's a message that is especially applicable for the times in which we live. It's a message to help prepare the world for the coming of Christ. And um, let's look this morning here at the first angel's message in Revelation chapter 14, verse 7. The Bible says, Fear God and give glory to Him. For the hour of His judgment has come. And worship Him who made heaven and earth, the sea, and the springs of water. Now what makes these messages unique is that they comprise God's last day message to planet earth. The last warning message to be given. And it's a message given so that we might know Him. That, that the world might worship God as the Creator God. And that they might live connected to Him. There's a call in this verse for us to connect with the Creator God, the one who made us. And uh, we also see here that the judgment is mentioned. And we've had a whole presentation talking about what it means that we're living in heaven's final judgment. Then the Bible says that we are to fear God and give glory to Him. So how is it that we can give glory to God? Well, the Bible, we want to compare Scripture with Scripture. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 31, the Bible says, Whether therefore you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Friends, we can give glory to God in all the things that we do. Amen? We can praise Him when, when God has given us ability to, to do certain things. We can give God the glory. We can, we can point people to Him at all times. Whether we eat or drink, whatever we do, we can give glory to God. But notice especially here that Paul mentioned eating and drinking to the glory of God. And there's a reason I believe that he said that. And uh, I think Paul knew that what we put into our bodies affects our minds. It affects the way we think. It affects our ability to reason and comprehend things. And more and more scientists are telling us about uh, illness and, and how it develops by what we put into our bodies and how what we put into our bodies actually affects our mental outlook and uh, with all the diseases that can come upon us. And uh, what's interesting is that we what we put into our body affects the function of our minds emotionally and also spiritually. Uh, for and for people that are getting ready to spend an eternity with God, we want our minds to be as clear as possible. Amen? We want to be able to function at the best health possible uh, for the Lord. Because we see, we've seen in our study thus far in the book of Revelation that there is a battle going on, right? There is this great controversy going on, and it's a battle for our mind. It's a battle for our loyalty and allegiance. And so Satan has tried to do everything that he can to destroy our health um, because he knows that it can weaken our reasoning abilities if he does so. In fact, uh, Paul wrote about this in 2 Corinthians 10.5. Um, he wrote that we want to bring every thought into the captivity to obedience of Christ. And friends, God can help us do that, to bring our thoughts into the captivity and to obedience to Christ by His Holy Spirit. And uh, I know oftentimes we go to different places and 
Uh, we are bombarded by Satan's temptations, aren't we? I don't know about you, but I, um, growing up, I, I started listening to some of the, the worldly music and all these songs that I've heard in the past. You know, when I go to different places now, I, 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 I go to the grocery store or, or different places, restaurants, and all of a sudden I'm hearing this music that I used to listen to that I, that I decided to stop listening to because I felt like God wanted me to uh, set my mind on things above and not on things on this earth. Uh, but Satan, Satan is constantly trying to throw these things at us to get our minds uh, centered on things that are happening down here. But God can help us to bring every thought and help it to be captive to Christ. Amen? And obedient to Christ. Um, God also said in 3 John chapter 2, He said, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in how many things? All things and be in health. Just as your soul, that is, just as your spiritual life also prospers. So I want you to notice here, friends, that there is a divine, divinely designed connection between our body and between our mind, between our physical and our spiritual well-being. And Daniel the prophet understood this connection. So we're going to take a look briefly at the life of Daniel. We are pretty familiar with the story of Daniel. Daniel was a Hebrew boy, and uh, he lived there in Jerusalem. But uh, when Nebuchadnezzar came with his armies, he took uh, he took a large number of some of the best young people from, from Jerusalem, and he took them back to Babylon. And Daniel was among those captives. And when he got to Babylon, King, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar encouraged him to eat the Babylonian food. You know, they, they wanted to, uh, to brainwash them in the schools of Babylon, but they also wanted them to adopt the diet of Babylon. But Daniel said this in Daniel chapter 1, verse 9. It says that Daniel purposed in his heart. He purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. So Daniel said that he was not going to defile himself. He was going to be faithful to God even in the midst of Babylon, even in the midst of, of everyone else. When everyone else was following the popular way, Daniel was willing to stand firm for God. And friends, God wants us to do that in our world today. Amen? When the rest of the world is going the broad way, we want to go the narrow way with Christ Jesus. Amen? We want to follow Him. And Daniel is a wonderful example of that. He purposed in his heart, he determined beforehand that he was going to be faithful to God. And he understood that this diet that they were trying to feed him in Babylon would not help his mental abilities, and that it would interfere with the clear functioning of his mind. And as a result... Uh, God blessed Daniel. He blessed Daniel and his friends for their faithfulness, and God put them into positions of great trust in the empire. And uh, we see that King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream in Daniel chapter 2, and we studied that extensively already. Uh, but we see that God revealed the, the vision also to Daniel, and Daniel was able to interpret that dream to King Nebuchadnezzar. So God was able to use Daniel because Daniel was willing to be used by God. He was willing to surrender himself to God and to follow him. His body was given to God so that his mind could function at its peak performance, so that God could use him as a, a channel of blessing to the human family, so that he could write these pages under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit for us today. And friends, like Daniel, we should strive to keep our bodies and our minds functioning at optimal health. Therefore, as Christians, we should avoid using harmful substances, things like drugs. We should not put drugs into our body because that would harm our body, it would harm our mental capacity and damage our mind. Now, I'm not talking about simple pain medicine like Tylenol or, or ibuprofen, but I'm talking about legal and illegal drugs, substances that are harmful for us, substances that harm the brain and alter our minds and that, that lessen our abilities to connect with God. One such substance is alcohol. Alcohol has had a damaging effect on the frontal, it has a damaging effect on the frontal lobe of our brains, and MRIs demonstrate that alcoholics suffer a striking amount of frontal lobe damage. This happens every time you drink, it is killing brain cells. I heard that from the time I was a young child, that, that's, that's what happens. And so I was like, why would people want to do that? <laughs> I need all the brain cells that I can get, you know? And, uh, but what might surprise us, though, is that even people who drink moderately, uh, which would be defined as one alcoholic drink a week, 
also suffer some impairment to the mind as a result of this. And that's consistent with what the Bible teaches. The Bible says in Proverbs 20, verse 1, it says that wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Friends, do we want to be wise? We want to be wise. We want to follow the ways of the Lord. And here it says that whoever is led astray by wine is not wise. And friends, you and I both know that there are tons of people out there that have drinking problems. People that are addicted to substances like alcohol. Consider what the Bible says here in Proverbs chapter 23, verses 31 to 33. It says, Do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, and when it swirls around smoothly. So here it is talking about fermented, it's talking about fermented alcoholic wine. At last, it says, it says, at the last, it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart will utter perverse things. This is what happens when our minds are altered by alcohol. We see strange things and things come out of our mouth that should not come out of our mouth. People do stupid things when they are being controlled and under the substance of, of alcohol and other harmful drugs. We all know people that have been injured uh, in some way as a result of alcohol. I know that my sister-in-law, um, her brother was riding his horse one day out on a country road in Iowa, uh, just uh, I think it was maybe five or six years ago, and sadly a drunk driver came down the road completely drunk and, and ran right into them and killed her brother on the horse. So I'm sure we all know some terrible stories like this of people that have lost their lives as a result of someone going out, doing this, but yet not realizing what an impact it's going to make, a negative impact on the life of someone else. As a result of, of, of alcohol, think about the domestic violence that's committed all across our country as a result of alcohol use. Prisons are filled with people who have committed crimes while under the influence of alcohol. A lot of immorality is committed by people that are uh, under the influence of alcohol. People do a lot of dumb things when they're drunk. There's no doubt about that. Their judgment becomes impaired and they do things that they would not otherwise do if they had clear minds to be able to reason from beginning to end. So it's clear that alcohol does damage. And uh, now some may wonder, well, what about Jesus? And, and what about Paul? Didn't Paul say something uh, to Timothy about drinking a little wine? Well, we're going to look at that here this morning. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23, Paul says, No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and for your frequent infirmities. Now, it's unfortunate, friends, that people have used this verse uh, they've taken this verse to, to mean that it is okay for them to go out and to drink beer, hard liquor, and all sorts of drinks uh, that, that are not good for them. But Paul was not suggesting that liquor was the drink that was needed for this man's gastrointestinal distress. <laughs> Grape juice? Yes. But alcohol? No. That was not what was on the mind of the Apostle Peter now, when it comes to the wedding of Cana, where Jesus was invited to that wedding, uh, people assume often that Jesus turned uh, water into alcoholic wine. Now, one of the reasons uh, is, is because the governor of the feast said, well, this is the best I've ever had. But wait a minute, friends. It, doesn't, it didn't have to be alcoholic for it to be the best that he'd ever had. Let's look at this passage together. Does it make sense that the one who inspired Solomon to write the words of Scripture that said that wine was a mocker, does it make sense that he would then create 125 gallons of alcoholic wine and get a whole bunch of people drunk at a wedding? It is not consistent with, with uh, the God of the Bible, friends. The Bible says that Jesus is, yesterday, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God does not change. And so if he inspired the, the Bible writers to write that, he would not change his mind and get a whole wedding party and all their guests drunk. Christ was the one who made the human body. He knows what we're made up of. He knows everything about us. He has fearfully and wonderfully made us. And he's not going to go and turn around and encourage people to abuse their bodies with alcohol or even to use a little 
and damage our body temple. The scriptures don't contradict each other. Jesus certainly was not encouraging the use of alcohol in this passage. And as you read through the, the scriptures, they are consistent that alcohol is not good for us. Isaiah also made this clear in Isaiah 65, verse 8. It says, As the new wine is found in the cluster, and one says, Do not destroy it, for a blessing is in it, so will I do for my servants' sake, that I may not destroy them all. So there was a blessing in it when it was in the cluster. That means when it was unfermented. It didn't contain the alcohol level. It had all, all the wonderful benefits, um, but without the alcohol there. So, you see, friends, is one of the challenging things is that in the Bible, when you read the word wine, it doesn't distinguish often between alcoholic and non-alcoholic. It's just translated wine. But uh, in the Hebrew, it's, it's uh, translated, the word is iayin uh, in the Hebrew, and oinos in the Greek, uh, with no linguistic differentiation between non-alcoholic and alcoholic. So when a passage uses one of these words, uh, we ought to read the context around it. It's very important for us to read the context in any uh, passage of Scripture that is under consideration. Amen? That's the only way that we're able to understand Scripture. We want to compare Scripture with Scripture. Often an unclear verse is made clear by a more clear verse. You know, Daniel and Revelation shed a lot of light on each other. So it's important to look at the scriptures as a whole. So the question isn't, is it right or is it wrong? Because clearly God doesn't want us to be killing our brain cells. So that's pretty obvious. The question is, is how do you quit if you're involved in something like this? Or if you know friends that are addicted to this? Well, let me share this Bible promise in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. It says, And my God shall supply all your need." according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Is this good news, friends? God will supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And if if you or friends that you know, family members maybe, feel like they can't go a day without alcohol, or maybe a week, um, if they can't imagine spending the rest of their life without drinking alcohol, remember that. Remember and remind them that God has the power to supply all their needs. Amen? that he can help them with what they're struggling through, and that we, they don't have to struggle through it alone. There are people out there that can help encourage them and support them in this. So God's plan is not that we suffer, uh, or even pretend that a little is okay, because a little is not okay. God can help us to be able to quit. He can give us the victory, amen? Over any kind of addiction, whether it be alcohol or any other harmful substance. Another thing that damages the frontal lobe and hurts our body is also nicotine. Medical researchers at Sloan Kettering Institute, uh, cancer of, uh, Institute of Cancer Research in New York City, say that, they, that each time someone smokes a cigarette, it shortens their life span by 14 and a half minutes. And I don't know about you, friends, but I want to live as long and, and healthy as possible, amen? So I try to uh, I avoid, I do not uh, smoke. That's pretty serious. Cuts back on your life expectancy like that. Insurance companies will tell you that non-smokers typically live about 14 years longer on average than smokers. Now, it's true that there's no commandment in the Bible that says, thou shalt not smoke. However, there is a commandment that says, thou shalt not kill. And uh, smoking can be just a very slow form of of killing yourself, really. And that can be the same with any health practice that is harming your body. There are dozens of carcinogens in cigarette smoke, and they do immense damage to our organs and our body, uh, and to the organs in which God communicates with us, uh, our frontal lobe. Now, I don't need to go on and on about how bad this is. I know many of you do not struggle in this area, but it's, it's very clear that even um, the public, the, the Surgeon General has been telling people for years that cigarette smoke is harmful to people. And uh, if, if you are struggling with this, I certainly don't want you to feel condemned um, about this, um, or if you smoked in the past. God wants to help us all, amen? We're all on a journey, and He's helping us with the different things that we struggle with. And as Christians, we want to encourage one another in the Lord, encourage each other to walk with Jesus and not drag each other down. Here's a key promise uh, that you can claim when it comes to any kind of addiction or any struggle that you're going through. It says in Philippians 4.13, I can do how many things? 
All things through Christ who strengthens me. Friends, do you believe this? God wants to help you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to give you the victory over the things that you struggle with. You may feel weak, but Christ will strengthen you. He will, you can be strong in Him. Now, I should also mention caffeine. And some of you may say, well, Pastor, don't go there. <laughs> uh, don't go there. But uh, I do feel that I need to mention it, friends, because it is something that is harmful. It disrupts the chemistry of our brains. It, uh, it tangles with our neurotransmitters that keep our brain in balance. People often think that it helps, but it actually hurts more than it helps. And this can lead to a wide variety of problems. And uh, many, med many medical experts are coming out more and more about this. Um, and uh, uh, the John Hopkins uh, School of Medicine, they said this some time ago, they said that caffeine is the most widely used mind-altering drug. Most widely used, um, probably in the world, uh, at least here in America. Dr. James uh, Lane from Duke University said, what have we found? What we have found is that caffeine interacts with stress and intensifies it. Now, how many of you like stress? Okay, none of you like stress. Uh, I know we, know we all have to have a little bit of stress. A little bit of stress is okay, but, but when you have a lot of stress and then something that you do intensifies that stress, that makes things stressful. <laughs> and I don't, like, I don't like all that stress. Uh, also, it can give people headaches. Um, you know, I know a lot of friends growing up that really struggled in this, and uh, oftentimes if they didn't get their next fix of caffeine, they would get headaches, withdrawal headaches. And um, so, so the question should be, is should any Christian be addicted to any drug of any kind? And the answer is no. And if you're struggling with something, God can help you in that area. Amen? And uh, why should we not be addicted to anything? Well, it's because our bodies are the temple of God. The Holy Spirit wants to live in us and, and use us. And the only thing that we ought to be addicted to, friends, is spending time with Jesus. Amen? Spending time in His Word, spending time in prayer. Think about the example of Jesus. As Jesus was there hanging upon the cross, uh, there were Roman soldiers that, that uh, brought Him on a sponge, and they brought Him... Uh, a sponge that had vinegar mixed with gall. And it was something designed to numb the pain and that Jesus was experiencing. But Jesus refused it. He didn't drink it. He didn't want to consume anything that would cloud his mind, uh, that would negatively affect his relationship with the Father, even in his final moments of life. And friends, I believe that Jesus gave us an example that we should follow. Amen? And in these last days of Earth's history, we need every advantage that we can get. Because Satan is doing all that he can to destroy our bodies. And so if uh, alcohol or nicotine or caffeine or anything else has, has you addicted uh, and is consuming your life, remember this morning, friends, that there is somebody in heaven that is acting in your behalf right now. There's someone there that is your high priest, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen? He's interceding for you. He's there. He has all power. And he wants to be able to give that power to you, to give you victory over the things that we struggle with. Christ is more powerful than any addiction. Amen? Amen? He can help us. He can give us victory over any negative thoughts. He can give us victory over negative actions and destructive habits. He can do it, and He wants to do it. He wants to be there for us so that we can be in the best health possible. Well, some might say, well, it's my body. I'll do with it whatever I want. Thank you very much, Pastor. <laughs> well, let's look at what the Bible says about this. It says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, it says, Do you not know that your body is the what? The temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God. And you are not your own. So our bodies are the temple in which the Holy Spirit dwells, and He communicates to us through our frontal lobe. It continues, it says, for you were bought at a price. That means you were redeemed. Praise the Lord, amen? Yeah. You were redeemed, you were bought back. Therefore, it says, glorify God in what? In your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So our bodies are actually not our own, they are God's, amen? And we are stewards of the bodies that He has given us. So we want to take good care of them. Thus, we will have opportunities uh, as we live longer to be able to be of more use in God's work, to be able to share God's love with others that we come in contact with. 
John, Jesus told us in John chapter 10, verse 10, He said, I have come that they may have life, and that they may have it more abundantly. So friends, we know that Jesus came to give, give us eternal life, but He also came to give us a more abundant life in the here and now. He wants, us, he wants to help us avoid some of the common lifestyle-related diseases that are plaguing our world today. So let's go back now to the book of Exodus. And notice that, that there is a promise that God gave to the children of Israel as they were departing from Egypt. It says in Exodus chapter 15, 26, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in His sight, give ear to His commandments and keep all His statutes, I will put... How many of the diseases? None of the diseases on which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. So when Israel left Egypt, they left behind a nation that was full of people that were groaning under the weight of illness and disease. Um, tests have been done on some of the, the mummies there in Egypt. And it has showed that they have suffered from some of the same um, lifestyle-related diseases that we experience today, like cancer, heart disease, diabetes. Uh, many of them suffered from these things. They were suffering from stress, even. And, uh, and God said to Israel, well, if you follow me, if you follow my ways, if you follow my health plan, I will keep these diseases from you. You, you won't have to, to deal with them. Um, and right now, we're very aware as you watch the news, if you, you pay attention at all, that there is a lot of debate on this issue. Should we have Trump care? Should we have Obamacare? Should we have whatever care they're trying to, to come up with? And, uh, but friends, the good news is that, is that God had his health care plan figured out long ago. Amen? And uh, the problem is, is that nobody's listening to his health care plan. And, and friends, God is wanting us to listen and also to follow it because it is the best plan out there. Guaranteed. <laughs> Friends, if you were to go out and buy a new car, it would come with an owner's manual. And, uh, and the owner's manual would say, if you want this car to run optimally, you want to use this specific kind of fuel, uh, you want to use this kind of oil, and you want to have your tires inflated at this air pressure so you get the best fuel economy, so you get the best driving experience. And if you were to pull up uh, to a gas pump and say, well, hey, let's, um, let's try out kerosene today in, in the car, that, that would not go too well, right? Uh, you you want to follow the owner's manual because that's the way that the car would run best. And for believers, what is our owner's manual? It's God's Word. It's the B-I-B-L-E. It's the Bible, the basic instructions before leaving earth. And friends, we want to follow the instructions in God's Word, and so we must study it each day. God, God tells us in Revelation chapter 14, verse 7, it says, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come. Friends, we are living in the judgment hour, and this is a call for us to give glory to God in all areas of our life, including what we eat and what we drink. This is why it's so important. We are living in the time here of the end, the time of the judgment hour. And uh, we cannot give glory to God with our bodies if we, are in the, if we are actively destroying our bodies with harmful health practices. The trouble, though, is that many people, sadly, are digging their own graves with their teeth and uh, with the different addictions that they have. But praise God, friends, there is something that we can do about it with the Lord's help. Amen? Back in Paul's day, he was very familiar with the ancient games that took place. Uh, today we call those games the Olympics. And uh, with reference to them, he said this in 1 Corinthians 9.24. He said, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. You may obtain that prize. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Now friends, you don't see very many Olympic athletes uh, eating at some of these fast food chains, do you? They, they're not doing that. They're doing all that they can to take care of their body. Um, there are, uh, they have health coaches, they, they have nutritionists, they have advisors that are counseling them, helping them to eat uh, the healthiest diet possible. Now, we may not have all those luxuries of having a personal trainer or a health coach or whatever, but 
we can make good lifestyle decisions with the knowledge that God gives us. And uh, we see that these Olympic athletes, they devote their life to winning the gold medal. So why should we, who are believers of God, put anything less into receiving an imperishable crown? We are, we are striving for an imperishable crown, but, but they for a perishable crown. So Paul's saying, if you're going to run, run to win. Run, throw yourself into it. Give it all you've got. God gave us a great start back in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis chapter 1, he gave us his ideal diet. Genesis chapter 1, verse 29, he said this to Adam and Eve. He said, And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. So believe it or not, friends, in the Garden of Eden there were no butcher shops. <laughs> There were no butcher shops. There was no death at all. It was a perfect place, a perfect environment. You know, uh, the crops were growing perfectly. You know, sometimes we run into struggles and pests and, and stuff that mess up our garments today. But you know what? In, in heaven, it was perfect. Yeah, sorry, in the Garden of Eden, it was perfect. In heaven, it's also perfect. And it will be on the new earth. But uh, there was no death at all. There was no killing of any animals of any kind. God gave them a plant-based diet in the Garden of Eden. That's his original plan and his ideal. And it sure helped people live for a very long time. If you look at uh, the Bible here in Genesis chapter 5, 27, it says, So all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died. Wow, how many of you would like to live that long? Healthfully. That would be amazing, right? That, that would be amazing, healthfully, if you could live that long. And friends, I believe that he really did live 969 years. When the Bible says something like this, I believe it, friends. And God blessed them with good health in those days. Because they were following God's ideal diet. But then when we get down to the time of Noah, there was a change that took place. You read this in Genesis chapter 7, verse 2. It says, You shall take with you seven of uh, you shall take with you seven each of every clean animal, a male and a female, two each of animals that are unclean, a male and a female. So notice that there were seven of every clean animal and that there were two of the unclean animals. And they all got onto the ark. Now after the flood, Noah couldn't just wander out and go to his garden immediately because the world had just been destroyed and the crops needed time to, to grow. Uh, there wasn't much vegetation yet, and so God said, you may now eat the clean animals if you so choose. And having seven clean animals, uh, that meant that he had uh, a few extras that he could uh, do that with. And uh, they were able to multiply quicker, of course. Now I want you to notice a distinction that exists here, the distinction between clean and unclean animals. It even predates the nation of Israel. Sometimes people will tell you that these laws of health apply just to the Jews, but this was actually given long before the Jewish people ever came into existence. There were no Jews that got on Noah's Ark. Amen? The issue had to do with our health and well-being. God wanted to people to be in the best health possible. So it was a, not a nationalistic distinction by any stretch of the imagination. But we do read in Leviticus 11 that among the animals, whatever divides the hoof, having cloven hooves, chewing the cud, that you may eat. So this is a principle that God gave to help us to distinguish between what animals are clean and what animals are not clean. And uh, notice that, that the animal must divide the hoof or have a split hoof in order for it um, to be clean there. And it must chew the cud. And verse 4, it also talks about camels. Now, uh, camels are, are not clean, so if you purchased any camel burgers recently, you might want to throw those out. <laughs> but uh, Leviticus 11 also mentions many other animals. I'd encourage you to go and read it in full, and uh, it is, is very um, interesting to see. Now, one of the animals mentioned in Leviticus chapter 11 that uh, comes to be a challenge for many people is found in verse 7. It says, And the swine, though it divides the hoof, having cloven hoofs, yet it does not chew the cud, it is unclean for you. Now I recognize that this can be a shock to some people, and um, but when you look at it from a medical perspective, you discover that God is trying to do what's best for us. He's not trying to take away all of our fun, and not, he's not trying to take away all the things that taste good. He's trying to, to give us what's best. 
And so one of the reasons that God said this is, is because ounce for ounce, pork contains more fat than virtually any other meat uh, that's available for people to eat. And if you put pork under a microscope, don't be surprised if you find evidence of trichina larvae or the trichina worm. Now they can actually burrow into your body and cause great discomfort and cause you to think that you have a wide range of problems. Some years ago there was a news report that aired about a lady who, in Arizona actually, she was having problems, she was having headaches and pain, and so she, uh, the doctors examined her and said, you have a brain tumor. And so they uh, decided to go ahead and operate on this lady and they discovered that it was not a brain tumor after all. It was actually a live worm that was burrowing into her brain, and as a result, it uh, as a result of her eating pork. So people will tell you when you eat that that you need to cook it really well, and they aren't kidding, friends. You need to cook it really well. You just need to avoid it altogether, amen. And uh, and then you won't have to deal with any kind of problems like that. This is why God says, avoid this, and I will keep the diseases. Away from you, the diseases that came upon the Egyptians. And again, that's not just for the Jews, it's for us here today as well. According to Isaiah 66, this will also still be important when Jesus comes again. Let's read what it says here. It says, For behold, the Lord will come with fire and with his chariots, like a whirlwind, to render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For by fire and by his sword, the Lord will judge all flesh, and the slain of the Lord shall be many. Those who sanctify themselves and purify themselves to go to the gardens after an idol in the midst, eating swine's flesh, and the abominations in the mouse shall be consumed together, says the Lord. So God puts the hog in the same category as the mouse. But remember, friends, God is not trying to take away um, all of our fun when it comes to eating. Instead, he's trying to help us to be as healthy as possible. And there are so many wonderful foods out there besides these unclean meats. In Leviticus chapter 11, verses 9 and 10, it refers to things that live in the water. And it gives us a principle to know what things are clean in the water and what things are not clean. The Bible says, these you may eat of all that are in the water. Whatever in the water has what? Fins and scales whether in the seas or in the rivers, that you may eat. So if it has fins and scales, it's okay. But all in the seas or in the rivers that do not have fins and scales, all that move in the water or any living thing which is in the water, they are an abomination to you. Now that's pretty strong language for God to use, an abomination. And there's no example in Scripture uh, where God changed his mind on anything that he called an abomination. Um, we see no verse that says, well, that's not an abomination anymore. Um, not long ago, um, there were people that wanted to clean up the Chesapeake Bay. And so they decided that they wanted to put oyster farms out in the bay to help clean up the water. And it, it worked. It did a really good job. And uh, the water quality improved because of the oysters. It would, it would suck in the dirty water and it would keep the purities, impurities within itself and spit out the water, thus cleaning up the environment. They were wonderful creatures. God designed them to, to help clean things up like this, but they were not designed to be eaten. Some of these sea creatures are scavengers as well, and when Navy divers are, um, are training, they're told that they should look for the line of crabs when they're trying to rescue uh, bodies from, from ships that have sank, or for whatever reason. And that's because these sea creatures end up feeding on dead matter. And then the Bible says this in verse 13 of Leviticus 11. It says, And these you shall regard as an abomination among the birds. They shall not be eaten. They are an abomination. The eagle, the vulture, the buzzard, and the list goes on. Friends, I would encourage you to just read the whole chapter uh, sometime. It's, it's very good. So, now, you know how we often operate, though, is that we typically eat what we want to eat, right? We eat what we like to eat. If it tastes good, we want it. If it smells good, we just gotta have it, right? But but God wants us to be able to even submit our food choices to Him, amen? And uh, He can help us with that. Uh, we want to be guided not just by our desires, not just by our nose and our taste buds, but we, we want to be guided by God's Word and by biblical principles. 
Now some may wonder, well, were any of these health laws changed when Jesus died on the cross? There are some that say this, but let's, let's think about this for a moment. Uh, think about a pig the day that Jesus died. Um, uh, it's in the day after Jesus died. Now was the pig the same on the day after as he was the day before? So it would have been unclean the day before Jesus died. Would it now all of a sudden be clean after Jesus died? No, it would not. Uh, Jesus, when I read my Bible, it tells me that Jesus came to cleanse sinners and not pigs. Amen? So if it was bad before, it was also bad now. So, But some may think, well, this, is just, this must still be just a Jewish thing. Well, what would be the difference between a Jewish stomach and a Gentile stomach? Um, there seems to be no difference. Uh, there isn't one. Uh, good health is for all time. These principles are for all time. And friends, we want to have every advantage that God wants to give us when it comes to our health because we're living in a very toxic world, right? We can talk about a whole lot of other things, all the toxins in this world that are, that are out there that are hurting our bodies. Um, and uh, I know it can adjust to, to hearing all this and, and making lifestyle changes that require uh, yeah, changes to our diet even. It can be a real challenge. But the good news is, is that our taste buds can change, amen? Uh, the things that you once uh, disliked, maybe Brussels sprouts or whatever it is, you may find out that you actually really enjoy those things after a while. You know, your, your taste buds can change. And, and uh, also, think about this. When you were a Christian, when you became a, a committed follower of Jesus, Jesus asked you to give up certain things, and you were willing to give those things up. And uh, and now, when Christ reveals more things to us, we want to we want to follow Him in those things as well, and say, "Not my will be done, Lord, but Your will be done in my life." And friends, that's the prayer that we want to pray each day: is that God's will would be done in our life. Uh, so much so that it becomes natural for us. It, it becomes desirable for us to do the things that please Jesus. And that we wouldn't want to do anything that, that uh, turns our back on the Lord. God wants to grow us. He wants to prepare us for eternity. Amen? Jesus really is coming soon. Now there's one more passage that we need to deal with here this morning. And uh, at this topic of health. And it's like that with a whole lot of subjects. You can, you can cover from A to Z, and, and the Bible is very, very clear. But then there is uh, that, that other passage, that, that other Z text. And, uh, and it's a different angle from A to Y. Um, and, and so some people say, well, we must throw everything out the window thus far that we've seen because of this text over here. So we're going to take a look at that text that many people use to throw out everything that we just talked about here this morning. Um, and that Z text is found in Acts chapter 10, where Peter had a vision, and God said to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And some people believe that this, uh, this uh, occurrence here, this vision, was God telling Peter that, hey, it's okay to eat any kind of food out there. Well, let's read it here in Acts chapter 10. We'll start in verse 9. It says, the next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Now, the sixth hour was about noon, so it was, you know, if they had the same kind of lunchtimes, it's about lunchtime here. And, it's, and uh, the people who had been sent for him, uh, there was a man by the name of Cornelius, and he was an Italian. He was a Gentile. He was not a Jew. That is a very significant point to note here in the story. And then it says, then he became very hungry. And he wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet found at the four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. And this was done three times, and the object was taken away, uh, taken up into heaven again. Now notice, Peter did not exactly know what this meant initially, but the next verse it says here, Now when Peter wondered within himself what this vision he had seen had meant, 
Behold, the men who were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house, and stood before the gates. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. Now, friends, uh, this text is, I believe, absolute proof that the diet uh, that God recommended back in the Old Testament was still is still applicable for us today. Uh, Jesus's death on the cross did not change anything when it came in regard to our diets. And Peter clearly, after this, had no intention of eating any unclean meats. If there had been a change, would not Peter have known about it? I, I believe that he would have known. He would, I think he would have been one of the very first people to find out about this. But there was no change. So what is taking place here? Well, Peter was a Jew, and God wanted the gospel to go to the whole world. He wanted the gospel to go to the Gentiles as well. But some people, like Peter, had they had issues. Uh, many of them, well, they were Jews, and, and many of them were, to be honest, they were racist. And they did not like the Gentiles. They did not like the Gentiles. They hated the Gentiles, wanted absolutely nothing to do with them. And, uh, and so they, they, they didn't go out and they weren't reaching out to the Gentiles that God had wanted them to do. And so God sent Peter this vision. And, uh, and, and we know, friends, that racism and, and, and bigotry and things like that, prejudice, is not confined to any one geographical area in the world. It, it, it is an issue. Uh, it's, not, it's not a recent phenomenon. Um, it's just not. So here's Peter. He was bigoted, probably um, towards the Gentiles. So what did God do? God sent the vision, and he spoke to him, and finally Peter started to get it. And when he... It says here in Acts 10, 28, when he finally went to Cornelius' house, it says, Then he said to them, You know how unlawful it was for a Jewish man to keep company with or to go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man. Notice he didn't say any pig or any other unclean meat. He said any man. God told me that I should not call any man common or unclean. That's because this vision was not about clean or unclean meats. It wasn't about diet at all. In fact, it was about sharing the gospel with the Gentiles, not with the Jews only. And then in verse 34 it says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. So God shows no favoritism there. So later on in, in the book of Acts chapter 11, Peter reports this same vision once again to his brethren, telling them that God had opened the way for the gospel to go to the Gentiles. So it's very clear that this vision had absolutely nothing to do with the dinner menu. This had everything to do with how we ought to treat other people. It's about how God wants us to, God wants to reach even the heart of racists and bigots and to let them know that we're all from the same blood, that we're all created equal in God's sight and that God wants us to reach and to love everyone. And Peter, and Peter finally got it. Praise the Lord. And in Psalm 84, 11, the Bible says, No good thing will, will God withhold from those who walk uprightly. Friends, God doesn't want any of us to feel like we're getting ripped off. As though God is taking away all of the good stuff. No good thing will He withhold from those that walk uprightly. He wants you to have the best of the best. He doesn't want you to have those things that will harm you. He wants better for you. It, it's the enemy of soul that wants to ruin us. He wants to ruin our health. But God has a perfect plan. And while God has a perfect plan, Satan also has a counterfeit. God offers good health. And he says, follow these guidelines and you will be blessed. You will live longer, be happier, and uh, not suffer from so many of the lifestyle-related diseases. Now, friends, uh, science is, is finally um, starting to catch up with God's Word in this area, and they're starting to, to find out that when we follow God's health principles, um, people tend to live healthier and longer. Um, my wife just picked up a book from the library yesterday on the Blue Zones. Have, have any of you heard of the Blue Zones? Uh, there was a gentleman who did research on the longest living people on the planet, and Seventh-day Adventists are one of those people groups. And so he analyzed why and was looking at it, and many, you know, much of the reason is because of what I'm sharing here today, as well as, as other health uh, principles that we're probably very familiar with, like exercise, temperance, rest, all of those good things, trusting in the Lord. So science is finally catching up and uh, discovering that 
that uh, God's ideal was best. So don't let our don't let your taste buds be the final authority. Let God be your final authority, friends. You don't want to be wrestling with heart disease or other illnesses if you don't have to. Well, many of them can be avoided uh, by lifestyle. Now, we do live in a sinful world, don't we? And even when you practice and you do all that you can to follow God's health principles, things still happen, doesn't it? We live in a, a sinful world that is very toxic, um, but, uh, but we can just do the best that we can. Amen? And, uh, and follow God to the best of our ability. Now we want our minds also to be brought into captivity of Christ. We want God's will to be done in our lives. Jesus came to give us a more abundant life in the here and now. And he was very serious about that. His friends were getting ready to go to heaven. Can you imagine what it's going to be like when we get there and we can eat from the tree of life? Can you imagine how good that's going to be? I don't know if you've ever had like a really good apple or just some fruit that was like so amazing. Maybe a mango, maybe you went to some tropical country and you had a mango for like the first time uh, in a country uh, where they're actually really grown. And it was just so amazing. You know, just imagine what it's going to be like once we get to heaven. God wants us to get, to get us ready for that. He wants us to be with him forever. That's why in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, um, God says through Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as what? A living sacrifice. Um, let's see. Holy, that present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, it says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So friends, God wants us to live for Him 100%, to be completely committed to Him, to give our all to Him, to lay ourselves on the altar. Let Jesus have everything of you, even what's on your plate, even what goes into your body, even what's inside your mind. Give it all to the Lord. Surrender those choices to Him. He wants to have all of you, and when He has all of you, you will have all of Him. How many of you want to lay it all on the altar for Jesus this morning and ask Him to help you to, to make good health practices and choices? Let's pray together as we close. Father in heaven, Lord, we've seen this morning that you have a health plan, Lord, and it's a wonderful plan. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would please help us to be able to follow that plan, Lord. And I, I know that it may require some lifestyle changes, Lord, for each one of us. I know that we're all growing. We're all on this journey together. And Lord... I pray that you would lay conviction upon us, Lord, if there's any area in our lives that is out of harmony with your plan of health, Lord. I pray that you would lay that conviction upon us, Lord. I'm not trying to do your work. I'm not trying to be the Holy Spirit, Lord. I'm just wanting to present what I believe your word is saying. And so, Lord, I pray that you would do the one, you would be the one that does the convicting, and that you would be the one that gives us the power and the strength to overcome some of these addictions, to overcome uh, the our appetite, Lord, when our appetite is not sanctified, Lord. I pray that you would please... Um, touch our taste buds, Lord. Help us to, to create the things that are good for us um, that we might be able to be in the best health possible. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for your work. We thank you so much for your great love for us and that you desire for us to be in good health. Bless each one of us here today, Lord. We pray that you that we would continue to walk with you and that you would continue to guide us as we journey in this life with you and as we prepare for eternity. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.